3: From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. It's been nearly five years since California voters made pot legal here in our state, but that was merely the beginning of the story for cannabis cultivators who have been working in a legal gray area for years. We'll talk with the mayor of Antioch about how he's welcoming cannabis in, and we'll check in on Sonoma County, which seemed poised to allow more grows before pulling back at a recent county commission meeting. Liberty, water, property rights, that skunky smell— The reality of legal weed sure got complex quickly. And then we'll check in on the Bayer's bikers, wheelchair riders, and of course, old school roller skaters.
2: Man, the first time I put on a pair of spandex, it was like, uh uh-oh, freedom.
3: That's all next on Forum, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. With the approval of two major cannabis growing and distribution projects, Antioch has put itself on the map as a significant player in the Bay Area marijuana industry. I don't mind being known as the cannabis capital of Northern California, declared Antioch Mayor Lamar Thorpe, citing the jobs that it would bring to the eastern Contra Costa County town. Meanwhile, Sonoma County has set aside a proposal to ease restrictions around growing cannabis and entered into a study phase to analyze the environmental impacts of that ordinance. We're joined first by Mayor Thorpe. Thank you for coming on.
2: Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
3: And we also have David Downs, California Bureau Chief for Leafly.com, and author of The Medical Marijuana Guidebook. Welcome. Thanks, Alexis. Mayor Thorpe, uh, let's start with you. Why don't you just tell me about the plans for cannabis cultivation out there in Antioch?
2: Uh, Well, we uh, just approved our second second indoor uh, cultivation uh, business, and so... Uh, Our first one was approved a year or two ago. It was Contra Costa Farms. uh, And they're projected to have about uh, 98,000 square square feet dedicated to uh, indoor cultivation. Uh, And our second location, um, this new uh, Kmart building is going to be uh, at about 95,000 square feet. And not all of it will be dedicated to cultivation. And a few months ago, we approved a new the expansion of Delta dispensary, uh, for cultivation. And they'll they will be at 7,500 square feet. Uh, so we're, we're moving along and we're pretty excited about it. So the most recent one in the, in the Kmart, this basically
3: took a a shuttered Kmart and is installing a big like grow and manufacturing and distribution facility. That's what's gone in there.
2: Correct. It's, so it's going to be, um, a host of projects that we're going to have, uh, dedicated to, uh, to cannabis. So, Pretty exciting, given uh, given how retail has uh, has not been coming back. This has been an old facility that uh, that was a Kmart before. It was struggling to get by, but uh, we found a new use for it. Yeah. As we're finding new uses for for different uh, for cultivate, excuse me, for cannabis uh, throughout Antioch. I mean, a lot of these locations where Cocoa Farms is was a, is an old industrial site. Uh, so we're pretty excited that you know they're reusing reusing 9.2 acres of uh, old industrial location uh, for cannabis. Yeah. What's the reception been like in the city?
3: Are there people opposing the new operations?
2: You know, in the beginning, when we started the process of exploring uh, cannabis and bringing it to Antioch once Prop 68 passed, uh, there was certainly a lot of uh, misunderstanding, uh, a lot of um, confusion about cannabis and what that meant for the city. And so, of course, when we started studying this issue, uh, there was you know, very loud opposition, But the reality is it was a a small minority, given when you look at the numbers of how Prop 68 passed throughout California, as we look specifically at Antioch, it passed overwhelmingly. And so we thought it was our our best interest uh, uh, in looking into it on behalf of the people. So uh, the the vote started 3-2. So bringing cannabis to Antioch was a 3-2 vote. Now you can't find anyone on the city council who's willing to vote against cannabis. What's the effect on the city budget of these big cannabis operations? You know, Cocoa Farms isn't fully built out. Uh, Delta Dispensary is operating. These are, you know, these are still relatively small dispensaries, uh, and they're generating a little over $1.5 for the overall general fund. Uh, and so we're pretty excited that uh, as, they, as they enter into their phase of, of cultivation, you know, we'll be adding a new fee, and that'll be around uh, – square footage uh, and, and an annual fee for, for cultivation. So it's having a, a huge impact on, on the general fund, but more importantly, it's having a, a huge impact on jobs. Facilities like these trigger uh, 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 labor peace agreements. And so we're talking about jobs that uh, pay above the minimum wage, offer benefits uh, to their employees. And so we're pretty excited about the infusion of economic, uh, economic growth uh, in the city. And, and how about you, Mayor Thorpe? Have you always been a supporter of cannabis? No, I voted against Prop 68, <laughs> uh, believe it or not. Uh, and now I'm probably cannabis' biggest uh, cheerleader. Uh, and it was, you know, it was my own personal feelings about um, legalizing, legalizing cannabis and, and my own upbringing with uh, biological parents who, who uh, struggled with drug addiction. Uh, and my views of how I saw, you know, cannabis as a gateway drug and, uh, clearly that was not the case as, uh, it was uh, obviously my parents' background was much more complicated than just one day waking up, smoking weed and becoming an addict. Mm -hmm.
3: What, what changed your mind? Uh,
2: I took, you know, um, I took the time to study. I was looking for reasons not to have cannabis in in Antioch. I I truly was. And, uh, but as I learned and explored and, and realized, man, uh, this hysteria around cannabis, you know, with uh, this idea of crime and uh, the idea of bringing down your communities, you'll find more uh, more crime around your local Applebee's because of the alcohol that they serve inside of them than you, than you would at a dispensary. And, and I think our notions of you know really having cannabis underground and and having folks you know sell weed on the corner, uh, those ideas and those notions kind of swept into the overall cannabis discussion. And so, of course, those bring out genuine fears in people. Yeah, What's the uh, next step for you in this kind of
3: cannabis-oriented business development?
2: Uh, Right now, we're looking at how we can expand uh, what we call the green zone, which is the cannabis overlay. So the Cannabis Committee will be coming back to council in late July, I believe, uh, with some recommendations as to where we can expand. Uh, We're really excited about manufacturing. We're really excited about cultivation. I think we're at a point where uh, we certainly don't want to be a a, a city where cannabis fails. And so we may have to uh, start looking at how many uh, dispensaries we actually have uh, and limit those. But that doesn't mean we want to limit cultivation, manufacturing, research and development and other things that are related to uh, cannabis overall. Excellent. Thank you so much,
3: uh, Mayor Thorpe. I'm going to go to David Downs. Reminder, he's a California Bureau Chief for Uh, Leafly.com. Let's step back a little bit from from Antioch to the broader Bay Area. How is urban cultivation kind of working across the Bay?
4: I think uh, it's pulling into a broader dynamic of business development in California. So uh, with cannabis legalization, um, business development isn't happening in a vacuum and as you can imagine the overall administrative state in california is rather thick and its application to cannabis has been even thicker so when you look at a place like oakland which has a gross receipts tax of 10 percent that is every dollar that comes in the door 10 cents is going straight to oakland they're pretty much killing their golden goose Um, oakland's tax rates are something on the order of 417 times higher on cannabis than it is on firearms and manufacturers and cultivators and other um, industry players there are saying, we are looking for places like Antioch to move to. Um, The broader dynamic is that these satellite towns and cities around San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, and LA are going to eat the lunch of the urban cores. And I'm really rooting for Antioch. Sacramento is kind of an outlier, um, we just had the Olympics cannabis competition from Green Wolf Dispensary in Los Angeles, and almost all the growers in that competition weren't from Los Angeles. They're from Sacramento because the Los Angeles cultivation licensing situation remains uh, pretty much a disaster. And so um, whether it's taxes or it's red tape, the urban cores are punishing small minority uh, low income uh, Members who want to get into the game who don't have two years and two million dollars to get a councilman and get a staffer and ring a bunch of arms to get a store open, and I think that dynamic is going to continue to take place. I mean, when you think about cultivation in general in urban like Oakland or or uh, San Francisco, like what are they growing in general? They're not growing anything. It's a high tax, high labor, high rent environment. Those um those cultivation licenses move elsewhere.
3: Why is the licensing situation so complex?
4: Because we're regulating cannabis like plutonium and we have, uh, you know, a really thick old administrative state in this country, in this state, Um, specifically the, you know, the left wants to worry about water and environmental impact and the right just doesn't like cannabis. And so the two have made bedfellows with regard to slow rolling implementation of cannabis licensing. One crazy factor is that a lot of ag folks don't want cannabis to even be considered a crop. Um, So they it doesn't have any of the right to farm laws or or privileges that apply to any normal crop. And then when you look at the green zones inside of cities that do allow cannabis, you're talking about one percent or two percent of the total square area of that city. Now, things are just starting to loosen up. You know, we just legalized in 2016 sales started in 2018. It's 2021 cities move at a snail's pace and they're slowly turning that aircraft carrier toward these jobs. Um, What we're seeing in 2020 was that cannabis um, comprised 57,970 full-time jobs in California, the number one market in the U.S., and that number doubled. It was about 23,000 up year over year for $3.7 billion in legal sales, Um, and really the black market's still four times bigger.
3: Hmm. Is there any major state legislation that could sort of uh, affect this kind of cultivation, you know, either encouraging it or discouraging it?
4: there's efforts to lower the cultivation tax. And the big thing right now is to try to ease the environmental review around these cultivation licenses. When the voters went to the ballot box in 2016, they said, let's get this party started in 2018 come hell or high water. Well, the cities and counties that got it started did so by kind of doing an end run around CEQA and their EIRs, that is the California Environmental Quality Act and their environmental impact reports. Those reports are still due. And so right now the governor is kicking out 100 million to cities and counties to finish those EIRs just so those provisional licensees can stay open. If those licensees, uh, provisional licenses expire, the industry kind of um, like pauses until that can get done. Got it.
3: We're talking about the state of play when it comes to growing cannabis. Earlier we were joined by Antioch Mayor Lamar Thorpe. Still with us is David Downs, California bureau chief for Leafly.com and author of the Medical Marijuana Guidebook. We are later in the show we're gonna be talking with about Sonoma and rural cultivation. Um, but the, Robert, a commenter, wants us to talk about indoor uh, cultivation and the energy costs, the huge water energy costs for indoor cultivation when using energy efficient lighting. We're going to be talking about that after the break, and we want to hear more from you. Have you tried to cultivate cannabis? What obstacles did you encounter? Should we make it easier to grow cannabis? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866 866- you can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook we're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org we'll be back with more after the break Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the challenges and opportunities in the cannabis agricultural space. Earlier, we were joined by Antioch Mayor Lamar Thorpe. Still with us is David Downs from California Bureau Chief for Leafly.com and author of the Medical Marijuana Guide book. And we want to bring on two new voices. Uh, David Rabbit is a supervisor with Sonoma County Board of Supervisors. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Great. And Janine Coleman is the founder of the Origins Council and co-founder of the Mendocino Appalachians Project. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Good morning.
3: Um, Supervisor Rabbit. I'd like to start with you. Um, There was a sort of specific ordinance that was in the works for a couple of years um, around cannabis cultivation in your county. Can you tell us what was in that ordinance and why it stirred opposition?
5: Sure. And I think it's important to understand in Sonoma County, you know, I think we've been in the forefront and allowing commercial um, cannabis cultivation in the rural areas. And uh, we have um, well over 400 permitted uh, application or sites right now operating, 460 in fact. So Sonoma County's challenges revolve around land use for commercial cultivation and really uh, trying to avoid conflicts with, with certain neighborhoods. And so what happened, what was proposed after three planning commission meetings was the third update to an ordinance that would streamline some things, um, but you can't streamline everything as, as Mr. Down said, without a thorough environmental review. And uh, we were going off of a mitigated negative deck, which is a less thorough review than an environmental impact report. And it, it can only push you into more restrictive areas, not less. So it became apparent uh, that we needed to stop, take a timeout and go back and do that EIR. It's something that I've been advocating for uh, in the minority for years. Uh, because what we really did was about two years' worth of work in eight months. We got something out there really quickly, and I think that we've been paying the price since. With that said, I think there are dozens and dozens of locations, hundreds of locations in Sonoma County, where you can grow commercial cannabis and not bother a soul. And we, It's our job to point uh, the applications uh, to those sites um, going forward.
3: What are the specific environmental concerns that you're thinking about?
5: Oh, they vary. Um, You know, I think for sure it is um, uh, right now in the year of the drought, (laughs) it's groundwater, surface water, all the water management issues. Biotic resources are big in in this county. We have a lot of uh, endangered species that need to be uh, taken into consideration. Certainly our county, again, fire safety um, standards, grading, outdoor lighting, aesthetics, um, you, you know, you name it. Uh, These are not small projects in the total, and it's really the cumulative impact of all the projects. This last um, proposal had up to, it would never have gotten there, up to 65,000 acres. But even if it was a a third of that, that's a significant amount of land that truly needs to have a thorough environmental document behind it. And I think that environmental document would actually make it easier for the uh, applications to go through. Right now, it's become uh, very convoluted, expensive because they're required to produce so many um, uh, uh, reports on these different issues individually on their properties.
3: As I understand it, don't cannabis cultivators have to actually report more about their water use than other agricultural users?
5: They do with with our ordinance, yes. Their groundwater is monitored, um, with the exception of we have four water availability zones in our county. Two of those zones require uh, hydrological reports and monitoring, to do not. And of course this year with the, uh, with the drought, um, water in our county, we have 14 separate basins. Uh, I like to tell people it's, we have a fractured and splintered aquifer. So it really matters where you are. Um, and it, it's a concern certainly for rural residential users. Sonoma County also has a lot of parcels. Um, we, we're highly parcelized. So you have a lot of conflicts with um, uh, surrounding property owners and really, again, I go back to that, the overall arching problem that we are trying to solve is where are the appropriate locations? Um, and, they're, and the truth of the matter is they are getting pushed further and further out onto larger parcels uh, because there's less conflict with, with neighbors on all these different issues.
3: Um, Mayor Thorpe, I want to ask you uh, one quick question just about the energy and environmental impact of the indoor grows. Um, have you, do, do you have any particular requirements um, from the cannabis
2: cultivators there in Antioch? Uh, no, um, although it, you know, it did uh, create a lot of uh delays and working with PG&E and, and trying to get uh, power set up. I mean, it was a, it's an enormous amount of power that's being generated uh, to, uh, to supply these, uh, these facilities. Uh, on the water impacts, I'm not sure uh, we're, we're gonna see that because it's a very sophisticated process. Uh, well, it's a very sophisticated drip system that they use for indoor cultivation. I saw uh, Contra Costa Farms has real Vista Farms across the way Uh, And so uh, we haven't seen any challenges there, but on the energy front, again, um, it's a lot of energy to power these facilities. Mm -hmm, mm
3: -hmm. Thank you, Mayor Thorpe. We'll let you get back to uh, running the city. Thanks for joining (laughs) us. Um, We've got a comment from Nathan, who feels indoor cultivation is one of the worst environmental choices. Uh, For decades, indoor was the only option because of the threat of law and imprisonment. Shouldn't we be encouraging the use of the sun and other responsible environmental cultivation practices? Um, I'd like to uh, ask uh, uh, David Downs, what do you think about indoor versus outdoor?
4: Yeah, uh, indoors has definitely been an artifact of prohibition, and when you look at the efficiency gains and the control we're seeing from people using greenhouses in places like Salinas and Santa Barbara County, it's clear to me that the future of cannabis agriculture is going to be in these, quote-unquote, mixed light facilities, that is, greenhouses where you can use most of the sun, but you can use um, the uh, walls and the glass of the greenhouse to keep the dirt off the plant. But, I mean, I do want to take a step back and talk about Cannabis is water and power use within the context of society, because I do think there's a disproportionate focus on cannabis. It's a sexy topic. It generates generates way more headlines than it does impacts in the environment. I mean, the average person who smokes every day is going to smoke about a pound of cannabis a year. That's one pound versus um, how many pounds of tomatoes or corn or lettuce you're going to eat this week. Um, A New Frontier data report in 2020 found that 83 percent of cannabis water use is illicit. And that uh, includes in Sonoma County, where they might have 460 licensees, but they might have 4x that number of illicit licensees. And the thing that's galling to me is that whether it's water or power, there's no CEQA or EIR for not building these farms uh, for the existing illicit market as it is and all the impacts there are. I think anybody can understand this when it comes to homes. We're about 2 million units under uh, budget for the state. That is, we need 2 million more homes than we built over the last 20 years. No one did an EIR about not building 2 million homes and the impacts of all these people in the streets and in the creeks and under bridges and everywhere else. And that dynamic has really come to play in Canvas.
3: Janine Coleman, um, you work with a lot of small cultivators, and I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective. What, what are the issues that they're encountering?
1: Oh, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, so we represent with Origins Council rural cannabis-producing regions that have historically participated in the pre-regulated framework under medical cannabis law. So we're representing about 600 licensed operators, predominantly homestead farmers, Um, They're cultivating about a quarter acre of cannabis. And I really want to echo what David was speaking to with respect to the way that land use is regulated for cannabis creates a whole host of barriers to entry, um, challenges with respect to environmental compliance, the cost and timelines associated with that for these small-scale homestead outdoor cultivators. Essentially, um, under the California Environmental Quality Act, And the normal sort of process flow for land use, uh, that does not apply to cannabis as it's been structured through state licensing. It's really kind of a unique approach to this environmental compliance. And I think to just essentially sum sum it up, it's regulating it as though you're developing a shopping mall. Um, It's really kind of that level of scrutiny, cost, time and expense um, that's really being borne by independent you know, small mom and pop businesses. So as you can imagine, that's a, an enormous barrier to entry. And for those that are in the system, it's, it's an enormous cost and timeline um, to navigate as they're trying to get through their final environmental compliance.
3: How should we regulate Cannabis grows. Should we make it easier to grow? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We are at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Gene, I'm going to stay with you. Holly, a commenter, writes, what's wrong with considering the water, energy and single use plastic impacts of marijuana? Medical use of marijuana is indeed beneficial, but the recreational use of pot is extensive. If it is to be considered a crop, why not use sustainable practices like other crops, especially with what will only be worsening drought-induced climate change? When every industry needs to reduce water, energy, and plastic, how how do your growers uh, think about these environmental impacts, Gene?
1: Yeah, we we really actually support uh, a lot of the the statute and the regulation that's in place with respect to water regulation and land use regulation, product quality testing standards. Um, Our organization is very supportive of standards-based certifications. We've got the organic equivalent coming online with the state. We've done a lot of work around standards-based appellation of origin designation. That program is coming online um, this coming year. And so we're very supportive of those standards where the challenge really comes into place for our Um, you know, small businesses is the implementation. Um, We really support the outcomes and we are trying to work with the state to effectuate policy reforms that will make those standards within reach and so that we can implement them and get more small farmers um, into regulation and all of the environmental impact uh, benefits that come with regulation um, to really flow from that.
3: David Downs, I want to ask you about the interplay, particularly in some of these rural areas, uh, between wine and and cannabis cultivation. You know, in Napa, uh, I think still has a prohibition on um, cannabis cultivation. Isn't that right?
4: That's correct. In general, you see these conservative agricultural counties um, look at cannabis with kind of a gimlet eye. I think the real exception and the way forward is a place like Santa Barbara County, which is kind of eating Humboldt and Mendocino and Northern California's lunch. They have more licenses than any um, city or county in California, and they have more revenue than wine. And um, one thing that's often missing from these agricultural discussions is the impacts of existing ag. We know a uh, wine draw, a uh, water use for wine is really huge in the North Bay. And then the biggest uh, conflict has been around pesticide application. Cannabis is cleaner than your food with regard to pesticides and testing because it's being smoked and applied to lung tissue. Well, to keep that cannabis that clean, you can't have pesticides blow over from your wine farm nearby. And so in Santa Barbara, the pesticide appliers walked off the job because they couldn't keep the pesticides on the wine farm they were blowing onto the weed farm and that dynamic I think speaks volumes about who is here in California what rights they got versus cannabis being sort of a new entrant on the legal side where uh, we're trying to clean up all the mistakes we made with every past agriculture we had in California but we're only sort of applying it to cannabis and we'll always do that um, basically, the illicit market gets to run wild. It's uh, not mitigated. There's no carrots or sticks that makes an illegal grower switch over to LEDs and drip irrigation. And I think that's going to really hold back environmental improvement for cannabis as a whole as these illicit markers continue to work, you know, uh, with impunity. And the legal market, you know, spends millions of dollars to come into compliance with energy efficiency and water, water efficiency rules that are, are needed. They just need to ramp.
3: Supervisor Rabbit, I think um, David Downs has been making a pretty strong case that um, cannabis cultivation, cannabis cultivators, are being held to a much higher standard um, than other crops. in say in your county, do you think that's um, a fair estimation? Uh,
5: Yes and no. I think the uh, what's true in our county. Again, um, we have. uh, probably the same number of wineries as we do the number of permits for cannabis. Um, we have a lot more uh, grapes planted obviously than acres of uh, cannabis. But I think, um, again, you can't shortchange the state CEQA process. And I think the consequences of legalization and regulating in California put this system in place. Um, and I think that's what we've been struggling with. You know, We tried to make things more ministerial. If you make something ministerial, you don't necessarily have a discretionary decision. You don't necessarily have the same uh, environmental analysis. We got a 1500 page letter from uh, attorneys telling us that, no, that's piecemealing. Uh, You can't do that. Um, And we do have various uh, legal risks within that. So here we are in California trying to maneuver through the system that was set up and do it in such a way that we are advocates for an industry. But I really think, for the industry to be successful long-term, they need to help us find a solution in this County, at least for citing commercial cannabis cultivation in the rural County. Don't propose something with a dozen or more neighbors surrounding you. Cause you're going to end up with issues. And again, I, I, I voted for many projects. I voted against many projects and it all had to do with that conflict with neighbors and how can we actually get the sites described in such a way that we can pull them away from those kind of issues that we can go about our business.
3: So, you know, from what I understand, and also a a listener has this same perspective here saying, I understand that cannabis needs to go somewhere, but I do not think having it cultivated outside in residential neighborhoods is the way to go. This is not the same as growing garden tomatoes or a victory garden. There's a smell, there's water consumption. These are real issues. I think what I'm, I'm driving at here is the the sort of property rights battle here seems very, very interesting and also kind of kind of new, because if you were doing basically any other kind of of growing of a crop, you could do it in Sonoma County. Right. But with cannabis, you
5: do have to go this this extra step. Is
3: that right, Supervisor Babbitt?
5: That is right. I mean, again, it goes back to, um, you know, the state definition. It's an agricultural product, not an agricultural crop. And uh, Mr. Downs um, said that earlier and that has to do with the right to farm ordinance. So it is it is different. Um, I, I think our planning commission also, when they went through, uh, we were going to do a general plan amendment that was going to call it a crop. And uh, that, you know, since it is still, uh, it's not sufficiently similar to traditional ag uses. Um, if you see on a one acre maximum grow site, um, you know, tall fencing around a piece of property in the middle of a field with the driveway up and security fencing and lighting, it is it is different. It does have the odor issues that we need to really, uh, I'm hoping that the environmental impact report will really start to talk about. Right now, we have three criteria that designate land. It's the zoning designation, it's a setback, and it's a minimum parcel size. Not all the, the there, there are properties that are adequately described and, and perfectly fine with those three criteria, and there are other properties that are not. So we need to make sure that we can kind of continue to refine that, not make it more difficult, but actually point people where they can be successful. That's ultimately the goal. A
3: listener tweets, as a lifelong cannabis user and a dispensary worker, it's thrilling when someone comes in for cannabis as a pain relief alternative, sleep aid or something to treat another affliction. This plant is medicinal. Please make access and cultivating easier. I want to ask you, uh, Janine Coleman, if there's one thing you could do for the small the, the small growers that you've got, um, what would be the thing that they would like the most?
1: Thanks for that question. <clears throat> I really want to echo what the supervisor said with respect to the land use regulation. The barriers to entry to get our broader membership into licensing is absolutely um so challenging. And so to make reforms that allow for normal process flow and the use of ministerial ordinances and permitting would be a tremendous game changer for the state of California to combat illicit production, to get small businesses licensed, to get revenue going for particularly under-resourced rural communities. That is our number one ask. Um, We have put a lot of um, research behind that and are lobbying heavily to really seek these reforms.
3: Thank you so much. We've been talking about the complexities of cannabis cultivation in the Bay Area with Janine Coleman, founder of Origins Council and co-founder of the Mendocino Appalachians Project, Lamar Thorpe, Mayor of Antioch, David Rabbit, Supervisor, Sonoma County Board of Supervisors, and David Downs, California Bureau Chief for Leafly.com. And a special thank you to David, who joined us on his birthday. We'll be back with more Forum after the break.